0: I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story? This is a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Mike Dano about growth predictions for the wireless industry in 2022 and why Verizon's forecast might be a little bleaker than that of AT&T and T-Mobile. We also discuss the battle between WCO spectrum and T-Mobile over the purchase of 2.5 gigahertz spectrum from academic institutions. righty, welcome to What's the Story, Mike. Thanks for joining me. Hey,
1: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and you're out in the field today, right? Yeah, Reporting out in the field. live from the field.
1: Uh, from from our one of our uh, summer vacations. Yeah. That, that's the field, that's the field i'm in so hopefully it sounds okay
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds good uh well thanks for your time um you so you wrote recently about the wireless market um and how the you know anal- it sounded like analysts were expecting the bubble to burst but that hasn't quite happened can you tell us a little bit about what's going on um in the wireless industry and you know some predictions for growth in 2022? Sure. Yeah, there's a couple of
1: interesting things that are going on. Really, it's that um, last year, 2021, was kind of a record year for the wireless industry, just in terms of the number of postpaid customer net additions. There was just a lot of people getting a phone last year. Uh, (laughs) Normally, the rate is about 5 million, and last year it was like 10 million. Uh, over the course of the year, so it was this like really big jump. There was a lot of factors that went into that. For example, kids were getting their first phone at an earlier age. People were moving from prepaid to postpaid service plans. Some customers were getting another line of service for their business number. It was it was all kinds of stuff that went into that. And so everybody thought this year that that would you know that would slow down because uh, everybody assumes that you know, that kind of a jump, a doubling from 5 million to 10 million is unsustainable. But here we are almost through the um, almost halfway through the year. And, it, and it's looking like that number is um, or that rate is uh, fairly steady uh, so far. So there there hasn't been the big drop off that, that I think everybody was kind of expecting, at least yet. We, we haven't gotten through all of 2022. There's still <laughs> yeah, opportunity there's still for disaster. But but so far, <laughs> it looks like um, uh, the rate of. Of uh, of postpaid wireless customer additions is is looking pretty good.
0: Right, and so are postpaid customers uh, more desirable to wireless providers than prepaid.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The postpaid customers those are the those are the most valuable. That's the number that mm-hmm. all the Wall Street guys look at. And really, you know, their average revenues per user are usually much higher in postpaid okay. than in prepaid. So, um, you're 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 usually getting a more valuable customer when you get a postpaid customer versus a prepaid customer. Yeah.
0: And I imagine the churn is less as well in terms of them, you know, deciding to go to another carrier or canceling their plan. They're probably more likely to stick around for a while. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Definitely, uh, churn is always or almost always better. Although churn has been really low uh, this year, um, but yeah, just basically mm-hmm. all the metrics for postpaid are are, are generally better than prepaid, um, including their mm-hmm. their uh, their lifetime value. Just postpaid customers tend to stick around a lot longer, so you get you end up getting more money out of them. The lifetime value of that customer is higher.
0: Yeah. I get that from a personal level. I've, you know, occasionally I'll see an ad and think about switching and then I'm like, ah, it sounds like a lot of work. So. <laughs>
1: exactly. and, and if you look really carefully, like the, the prepaid plans are good, but they don't have all the bells and whistles of post postpaid paid plans. And, and that mm-hmm. is where, you know, it comes down to it is that, you know, if you use your phone as a hotspot, you can't usually do that mm-hmm. on prepaid call uh, pr- pricing plans. And so, Yeah, there's there's ways that they have to funnel you onto those postpaid plans.
0: Gotcha. Uh, And then uh, in terms of, um, you know, who's doing the best, it sounded like in your reporting that AT&T and T-Mobile things are going pretty well. But Verizon's a little iffy in terms of um, growth. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, everybody's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and for the growth in postpaid customers to decline. And we're definitely starting to see indications of that at Verizon. Um, mm-hmm. Not yet at AT&T and T-Mobile, but definitely at Verizon, we're starting to see indications that their, their, uh, their quarterly performance is not quite as, as good as it has been in the past. We haven't we aren't seeing that yet at AT&T and T-Mobile, but it's kind of only a matter of time.
0: Okay. And is there any do you have any insight into why um, Verizon's not doing quite as well or is it just kind of this is the natural way of things? Yeah, really,
1: this is the circle of life. Um <laughs> right. so that that is a good question. I'm not sure that anyone has a definitive answer for that yet. I mean, Verizon okay. is the most expensive carrier. They've always been that way and they 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 would say that's, you know, it's because um, of their superior network, I'm not sure that that's true mm-hmm. anymore, but they certainly mm-hmm. um, still think that they can, you know, uh, c- uh, uh, claim a you know a, a premium price. So that may be part of it. Um, there's probably a lot of factors that go into it, including the strength of T-Mobile and AT and T. But you know, we're not real sure about the full dynamic yet.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And then um, h- how's inflation impacting the wireless market? Are they passing off the cost to customers? Are they just out of the kindness of their hearts absorbing it? What's going on there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because uh, there is there are inflationary pressures that appear to be affecting the industry um, because uh, uh, we've seen a round of price increases uh, just recently. Um AT&T was the first; they boosted prices on some legacy plans, but that affected millions of customers. Verizon just straight up raised their prices on their service service fees, and then um, T-Mobile has increased some of the fee- some of the one-time fees that they uh, assess to customers. They haven't; they there's are actually not allowed to increase service prices due to the merger agreement mm-hmm. with Sprint just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they have increased some some other one-time fees. So yeah, we're definitely seeing price increases, but Broadly, the carriers argue that they can raise fees because people need their wireless phone like that. You know, aside from like <laughs> housing and food, you know, your wireless phone is the next most important thing. And so they're arguing that that they can raise prices because this is a, ne- a necessity.
0: Yeah, that's a very like, I don't know, sounds like a very monopoly type argument. of like, well, sorry, you got to <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, like when, much. you I mean, know, there were only a few. Um, grown up, they're only like one cable provider to choose from. And it was like, well, if they raise the rate, you can either have cable or go back to rabbit ears, but that's it. So it's it sounds kind of like, you know, you can keep your cell phone or go back to a landline and maybe a carrier pigeon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you going to do without
1: your, your cell phone? Yeah, I think it's yeah. To, I almost look at it as like a bit of a flex like they can they yeah. can raise prices so they're gonna raise mm-hmm. prices <laughs> right. and they're just looking for an excuse to, to raise prices because you will yeah. pay more because it is a necessity. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so There's a lot of other everyone... factors that go into that but but yeah that's kind of how I look at it too.
0: Yeah uh, so I also wanted to talk to you briefly about um, the WCO spectrum and T-Mobile um. I don't know, like what I would qualify to not really a fight, but (laughs) whatever, you know, mom and dad are arguing, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this this is what's what's the beef between them? Yeah, really, this
1: is turning into one of I think the most interesting stories going on right now is this this really interesting fight between an investment company called WCO and T-Mobile. And mm-hmm. man, it gets really complex really quick. When I try to explain this to family and friends, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like at the, at, the, <laughs> at the core of this whole thing is this really interesting idea of, you know, who owns the spectrum? Because, you know, mm-hmm. a big part of uh, being a mobile operator is is owning that spectrum. You're the only one that can broadcast in that spectrum. All your customers, you know, the communications run through that spectrum. The spectrum is just the lifeblood of any, you know, wireless communication system. And in 5G, all of that spectrum is is exclusive. So Verizon has exclusive access to, to its own spectrum. T-Mobile has exclusive access to its own spectrum. But the weird thing here is that a, a, a subset of T-Mobile's spectrum holdings for 5G are actually not owned by T-Mobile. They're owned by um, these uh, schools or universities or churches because of these like super old FCC rules that go back to the 60s. And so those rules are changing. So now um, uh, the schools and universities that used to own this Spectrum can actually sell it now. They couldn't sell it before, but they can sell it now. So obviously now T-Mobile, you know, that sets up the opportunity for T-Mobile to buy those Spectrum licenses because before this, it was leasing them because uh, it was technically not allowed to own them, so it was leasing them instead. But the interesting thing here is that, so, you know, T-Mobile can buy those Spectrum licenses, but now so can anyone else. And so this uh, this investment company called WCO, it's backed by a, bi- a, bi- a billionaire um, telecom veteran, who the guy who founded Global Crossing in the, what, 70s and 80s. Uh, a guy named Gary Winnick is, is financing this whole thing. And basically, he just wants to buy... T-Mobile's spectrum licenses out from under T-Mobile, and uh, he's been sort of quietly going about this, and now has come out real public. They, they uh, he hosted a webinar where he really like sort of lit into T-Mobile and called them some bad names and said that they should be ashamed of themselves sure. because they've been behaving uh, in this sort of this this brewing battle. But um, so so there's lots of you know parts of this to discuss, but I think the most interesting takeaway that I have is that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finally, during this webinar, Gary Winnick said what he wants to do. And what he wants to do is own spectrum licenses, and then lease them to wireless carriers. And he said, and he he, he said, it's the same thing that happened in the cell tower industry, you know, wireless mm-hmm. carriers like AT&T and Verizon, that used to own their cell towers, sold those off to other companies, and now they rent them, right? So that mm-hmm. uh, they didn't have to own that 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 asset anymore they could just rent it instead and and so he says they should do the same thing with their spectrum licenses um i think t-mobile would probably have a different opinion but that at its core that's what's going on Is like can you turn spectrum licenses into an investment option that you would then rent back to the carriers that are actually using them Um, i'm not entirely (coughs) sure that's going to fly but that's what's going on that's at the heart of this argument
0: Hmm. And it's the benefit of, of renting the spectrum just that they have lower overhead or, um, you know, they're not, I guess, not stuck with it forever. <laughs> What's yeah. the benefit there?
1: Exactly. I mean, it's it's the same as being able to offload any asset like real estate holdings that you might have or whatever. It's that you can sell it. You can make a bunch of money from that sale. Um, mm-hmm. And then you don't necessarily have to have that asset on your balance sheets anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whether it works out economically, I, I really have no idea. Um, it does work out economically that way for for cell towers. In fact, uh, I think it's uh, U.S. Cellular is the only wireless network operator that still owns its own cell towers. Almost all of them have, okay. have sold them, uh, but uh, U.S. Cellular still owns its own cell towers. And so whether they'll end up eventually selling their Spectrum licenses, no one knows, um, but... It's a pretty intriguing concept because mm-hmm. if the then, carriers don't yeah. own the spectrum, then somebody else does, and then what is mm-hmm. this other person going to do with it? Is it going to lease you know some spectrum to T-Mobile or all the spectrum to Verizon, or will it hold some of the licenses in reserve for you know some other person like Dish Network? Like it just creates all these mm-hmm. really interesting scenarios, but uh, it's uh, none of this is going to happen anytime soon. This is going to take years to play out.
0: Yeah. And then you also um, mentioned um, T-Mobile's rights to refusal on purchasing the Spectrum. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, um, so there's a lot of these uh, these 2.5 gigahertz Spectrum licenses out there that are technically owned by, you know, schools or colleges or universities or whatever. And so T-Mobile is leasing those Spectrum licenses. And the way that it works is, you um, because that under the terms of the lease T-Mobile has the right of first refusal for any transaction so basically WCO can bid on that spectrum license but but the first thing that needs to happen is that that school or university needs to go to T-Mobile and say look we have a bid for this do you want to you know offer a competing bid you get the mm-hmm. right of first refusal you get to buy it if it's if it's for sale and so okay. now because of WCO's bids Now the ball is in T-Mobile's court.
0: Okay. And that makes more sense why the CEO of WCO is um, maybe so upset during that webinar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's created this like really weird thing that, you know, basically puts all these schools and universities at the center of this weird bidding war between mm-hmm. uh, a telecom veteran billionaire and a multi-billion dollar telecommunications giant. And and here's these yeah. like random schools all over the country that are basically just stuck between these two, you know, competing interests. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a weird position for them to be in. And so that's why there's so many interesting parts of this story is because like mm-hmm. one of the things is, T-Mobile doesn't want the terms of its leases to be made public. On the other mm-hmm. hand, the, the the entities that actually own these spectrum licenses are schools and universities, public institutions. You know, my mm-hmm. tax dollars fund some of these schools. Right. And so T-Mobile is telling yeah, them- Yeah, you can they, look
0: up the employees, how much money they make. I mean, <laughs> you they're <know>? all subject <laughs> to freedom of information act
1: requests. Yeah, they're public yeah. entities. And so for T-Mobile to come along and say, you know, you can sell this, but you can't tell anyone how much you're selling it for- and it's a school district that you know might be have you know struggle pay to pay its teachers minimum wage it's, mm-hmm. it's just it creates this like very you know not <laughs> the public relations angle for t-mobile is not great As particularly because but, it uh, is, yeah. is filed suit against some of these schools including one in florida that we wrote a story about um it's 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 suing the schools to prevent them from selling their licenses to wco mm-hmm. um so anytime a uh uh, a, a giant telecommunications company which by the way is majority owned by a German uh conglomerate uh is suing a public school um you know that has a lot of like free and reduced lunch students you know it's just yeah, it's a, there's just no that's there's no look. way around that that's just a it just looks bad it looks bad yeah, yeah. um so that's where T-Mobile Jeez. is with this WCO stuff
0: yeah yeah definitely um uh, makes me think of the word bully. <laughs>
1: that know, is the like, word that uh, Gary Winnick yes. used. He he, that, he, he said <laughs> oh, T-Mobile okay. should be ashamed of itself and that it was acting like a bully. And, um, yeah. you know, I think that there is an argument to be made for that. I, I know that T-Mobile, for its part, T-Mobile, th- their argument is that, hey, look, they've got these leases. The terms of the mm-hmm. lease say that it's got right of first refusal and that you shouldn't, um, uh, uh, you know, that you, sh- you can't... Um, uh uh the 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 terms of the lease say that you can't disclose the the terms uh and so that's that's what T-Mobile's argument would be
0: yeah all right well that is really messy but also super interesting <laughs> So, some really cool drama to watch there um, for us. So, um, yeah, looking forward to your continued coverage about these two things. And um, thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our amazing producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.